Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com. Coming up on BFC Live, we connect with Richard Carlton. He is the CEO of the Canadian Securities Exchange. They play an integral role in the cannabis sector. They are also a sponsor of our upcoming event, Business of Cannabis New York. We wanted to connect with him about what he is seeing from his perspective about U.S. legalization and the impact on the sector. Richard Carlton, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Jay. Well, it's always good to see you, uh, to hear what's going on in the Canadian, Canadian Securities Exchange. But also, I think you have a particularly unique lens in which you are looking at the cannabis sector. And hopefully we can talk about that today. Thank you, Jake. No, it's true. Um, We obviously embraced the cannabis industry in Canada beginning in the spring of uh, 2014 and uh, began working with folks from the United States in uh, 2016 and uh, have obviously done very well by the industry uh, over the last uh, five, six years. And uh, yeah, it's been our privilege to uh, work with the industry leaders, uh, the pioneers uh, who are building, you know, literally one of the fastest growing industries in North America. Well, that must feel pretty good. And we've, we've had sort of part of this conversation before, and I'll say it again, not because you're on, but because I say it to anybody, that I think when the history of cannabis is written over the past several years, the Canadian Securities Exchange will be a, will be maybe several chapters in enabling <laughs> the sector to grow in Canada, in the US and around the world because of your openness to it. And, and it's sort of on that note that we're excited to, to have you on as a partner and a sponsor for our Business of Cannabis New York event coming up on September 29th. But talk a little bit about sort of not your, not the position that you're in historically, but talk about um, what you're seeing right now in terms of the sector, the companies that are listed on the Canadian Securities Exchange, and sort of what they are feeling, if you can get a sense of what they're feeling, about where the cannabis sector is right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, uh, the pandemic has obviously uh, given us a, a bit of a roller coaster, I guess, in a number of different uh, directions. Uh, as well, of course, as the uh, results of the election in the United States uh, last fall. Um, there was obviously great hope uh, in many quarters uh, that the administration would, in fact, support uh, legislation that would either see full descheduling of cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act or um, the passage of, uh, of uh, uh, bills designed to provide relief to the industry uh, from some of the issues around banking, uh, insurance, interstate commerce, uh, and, uh, and, and so on. And uh, I think that um, as time has gone on, um, uh, I think the uh, belief is that uh, perhaps the status quo is going to be with us uh, a while longer uh, than we would have hoped. So we saw a, a run-up in asset valuations, uh, in particular for U.S. cannabis companies uh, in late uh, uh, 2020 and into 2021. And then again, as uh, hopes began to fade a little bit, uh, we saw, of course, there's been a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a sell-off, but the uh, improvement in the markets uh, in, in late 2020, early 2021, did give uh, a number of companies, uh, predominantly the uh, large US multi-state operating firms, um, the opportunity to raise significant amounts of capital. Uh, so that uh, companies on the CSE have raised uh, more than 3.3 billion uh, Canadian uh, on a year-to-date basis, and um, uh, they've led, I think, nine of the 10 largest financings by companies listed on the exchange. Uh, the uh, other um, 
company was a is a Bitcoin broker. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, they've obviously been very active. And then later in the year, uh, as as I say, I think people began to grasp that uh, um, uh, the existing framework is likely to be with us for a while. Um, we began to see more mergers and acquisitions activity. So both companies um, that uh, the, the the public companies acquiring uh, private companies uh, and acquiring each other, uh, both as an opportunity to try to rationalize uh, supply chains, product mix, and obviously most importantly, uh, licenses in different states uh, that are complementary to the businesses that uh, the companies are operating uh, currently. And uh, most recently, we obviously saw TerraSend. Uh, indicate that uh, they were going to um, uh, acquire uh, Gage Cannabis, a Michigan-based company that uh, recently listed on the exchange. And uh, as I say, we expect to see uh, that uh, continue, um, certainly for the remainder of the year. And I guess the other uh, feature, which is uh, certainly positive for the Canadian Securities Exchange, is that uh, some uh, Canadian LPs uh, uh, who, who are listed on other exchanges in Canada who aren't quite so um, uh, accommodating uh, to the cannabis industry uh, have decided to move their listing. So RIV Capital, which is the former Canopy Rivers, uh, the investment uh, arm uh, of, uh, of Canopy, uh, joined the exchange uh, a few weeks back. And quite clearly, they are intent on making uh, strategic investments uh, in the United States. And recently, uh, the Green Organic Dutchman also announced plans to move over to the CSE again to pursue a uh, US investment strategy. So I think uh, there will be no shortage of uh, acquisitions, investment opportunities from the public issuers uh, on the CSE for the remainder of the year. It's going to be very exciting. Well, it's interesting because I uh, was sort of starting off the, the sort of foundational chapter in the history of cannabis will be connected to the Canadian Securities Exchange. And I, I don't know what chapter we're talking about now, but really the, the lack of progress on a federal level in the states married up with really big opportunities in the states, New York and other places are bringing people, well, to and through and back to or into the first time the Canadian Securities Exchange. It's playing this unique role again. Um, in the sector, which I think is just fascinating, it must feel must feel good. I don't know what the right like. Do you feel emotional about it, or is it is it a well, good feeling I'll, to be playing I'll, this role? I'll tell you what I what I do feel is I, I am uh, I'm enormously impressed by the management teams uh, of these companies because when you think about ordinary startup world is tough. You know that Jay. Uh, you've uh, you've you've started up uh, your your own company. There's a lot of uh, anxiety, late nights, uh, people telling you you're an idiot for doing what you're doing. <laughs> my, my rule of thumb, Jay, is that unless somebody tells me that, I think I might be on the, right, the wrong track or the right, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I'm uncomfortable until somebody tells me I'm an idiot for doing what we're doing. Uh, and I can't tell you how many people told us we were idiots for starting a, a stock exchange in Canada in, uh, in, in 2002. But uh, in any event, um, I, I am just so, uh, as I say, uh, impressed. Uh, by the resilience, uh, the in ingenuity uh, to basically find a way against this uh, myriad of uh, issues that they have to deal with and, and barriers that other entrepreneurs don't have to deal with. Um, and yet uh, they've been able to succeed and in many cases prosper uh, to the point where we've got companies now that uh, are earning more than a billion dollars in revenue annually. 
Um, the, the, the business is growing at an incredible rate. Uh, and I think these are permanent changes. This isn't just sort of a temporary pandemic. Uh, people are working from home and uh, uh, consuming legal cannabis at, a, at greater rates than they did before. Um, so I think that, uh, uh, as I say, I, I'm just so impressed by the management teams that we work with from these uh, companies and what they've been able to overcome and what they've been able to build. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you another question? Because obviously you do have this lens, lots of cannabis companies doing work in the U.S., including the MSOs. Many of them are listed on the, on the Canadian Securities Exchange. And, and sort of couple that sort of feeling and sort of their experience with what, what is happening in the States is that things in D.C. don't seem to be moving. There's often conversation but not a lot of political oomph behind it, certainly not from the White House, a little teeny bit in the Senate, some in the House, but never in a concerted effort to say, we're gonna get this done. We're, I mean, very few people are expending lots of political capital, the federal level, and, and sort of that creates uh, not angst, but conversation on Twitter from the cannabis world. But I wonder if that's not continuing to build the foundation for competitive advantage for some of these MSOs that are like locking in those states, huge positions in some of those states, you know, we talked about Gage, right? You know, they're all over Michigan. Terrasend has New Jersey properties. Like there's lots of these things that, that are actually every day that it doesn't become federal legal is a day that these companies build further foundations in these states. Is that, is that something you're seeing or believe in? Um, I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a fair analysis. And it's exactly the strategy of the management teams, uh, particularly of the larger uh, MSOs uh, who can command the capital um, that uh, will enable them to do the acquisitions or do the organic build-outs uh, at the new, uh, as, as different states uh, come online. And, uh, you know, we were joking before, um, you know, the concern of many in the industry is, uh, well, you know, what if the eventual Amazon of wheat is Amazon? Right. Uh, and that's a genuine risk if you've got uh, a number of smaller players with limited uh, local market uh, power, penetration, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think uh, this uh, period of inactivity at the federal level will allow uh, these operators to continue to grow to scale um, that they will be able to um, uh, resist, uh, perhaps, uh, some of the... Uh, uh, additional opportunities that may come up if, as, and when uh, federal uh, legislation uh, comes uh, comes forward. Now, one of the other things, uh, Jay, uh, that uh, I think you and, and folks will be interested in is um, with the, um, I, I'm not sure that it's fair to call it stymied, but with the slow progress um, at the uh, federal legis legislative level, there are renewed attempts to find practical solutions uh, from the banking insurance and from the uh, security side uh, in the United States. So I am part of a committee uh, put together by the American Trade Association for Cannabis and Hemp uh, on capital markets issues uh, for uh, operators uh, in the cannabis space in the United States um, to basically set up a series of meetings uh, with uh, different folks. Uh, my interest, of course, is Wall Street. Um, to come to grips with the issues uh, around the exchange's uh, inability at this point to list these companies. Um, and their decision on that point, which is not necessarily driven by uh, the uh, legislation, um, they, they are probably capable of coming to the same conclusion that we did uh, five years ago, but have elected not to for a variety of reasons, um, which I won't comment on. Uh, but uh, as I say, there's a, an opportunity, I think, uh, at some point to perhaps uh, 
uh, get some movement on, on that side, which of course would be incredibly important because it would reduce the cost of capital. It would open up significant new sources of potential institutional ownership uh, in the, um, uh, for these companies. And I think that would really fuel uh, the scaling up of uh, some of the bigger, more successful companies in the space, which also leaves, of course, a lot of opportunity for the, for the craft operators as well, uh, because they're building out the business. And uh, uh, it gives, as I say, an opportunity for the small trees in the forest to uh, grow and prosper as well, uh, because collectively we are, in fact, building uh, you know, a, a, a genuine, legitimate legal ecosystem uh, for uh, for a consumer product here. Yeah, it, and it's exciting to watch and it's exciting to watch alongside uh, you guys and actually watch your role in it as well because it's always exciting to be down the road for people playing this sort of pivotal role and have been for a very long time, as you mentioned. And we're gonna continue this conversation uh, in New York on the 29th and we appreciate the sponsorship of that uh, because we're sort of posing the question that does New York become the sort of next hub or the world hub of cannabis, whether that's like, finance or just its relative market size, but maybe even more than that, its sphere of influence, sort of from a cultural perspective, from a business perspective, and all of these issues we're going to be talking about. But I mean, it, it does, I mean, I don't know if you, like, I believe we are in the sphere of influence often of what's happening in, in New York. I know I'm from Massachusetts. That's absolutely the case. We've seen New Jersey move faster. We've seen Connecticut move faster, right? The Northeast of the U.S. is going to be a hub of cannabis, um, and I guess I want if if you're if the companies listed with you are, are thinking the same thing. Well, I'm just a, a humble boy from a small town Ontario, so far be it for me to uh, you know comment on the uh, U.S. situation. But isn't the normal course of things to be the uh, New York is the hub of finance and uh, California is the arbiter of style? Sure. Just okay, saying. So, unless it's downtown. I'm I'm partial to downtown Toronto and both of those things, but. <laughs> So anyway, there's no doubt that um, uh, legalization in New York and indeed in the tri-state area uh, is incredibly important. Um, and uh, again, if they do it right, and I appreciate that, uh, you know, the taxing impulses, unfortunately, are perhaps at an all-time high. Yeah. Um, but uh, New York does have, a, uh, I think, a tremendous opportunity to blaze a trail. Uh, you know, not just, of course, uh, for the business of cannabis, uh, which, of course, is what we're talking about, but, uh, uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, the social equity and social justice issues, uh, which, uh, you know, many folks, folks are extremely interested in uh, pursuing and advancing uh, with, uh, the, uh, with the developments in the industry that, uh, that uh, we hope to see. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you're right. Um, this is a watershed moment. Um, and uh, if they get it right, uh, it has uh, uh, the opportunity to be tremendously impactful. Well, great. Well, it's, it's been great to connect with you here like this. And it'd be great to connect with you in person in New York. Even better, Jake. Even better. Uh, the 29th of September in New York City. And it's a good timing because yesterday, Porter started flying. So we will see you at Billy Bishop Airport, potentially. And we'll see you in New York. Richard Carlton, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Jay. Look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. That was Richard Carlton, the CEO of the Canadian Securities Exchange. If you like this program, please rate and review us wherever you heard the podcast. It helps support the work we do. We're able to do what we do because of our ongoing partners, including Alterna Savings, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, CanDelta, Gallagher, Headset, and Torquemane. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com.